Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Your ultimate culinary companion. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Welcome to season two of Dishing It Out. We made it, guys. The big boys upstairs, (laughs) they dipped, they dug deep, they didn't throw us out, and we are back. We never went anywhere anyway. We were... We were going to protest outside Marconi House. <laughs> Gaz says he wasn't budging. He was going to get a sleeping bag out of Anantara Marco Hotel, a couple of quilts and a lock of pillows. We were not budging. But we got signed back up. January transfer window was open and they dipped for the two boys. I'm Gary O'Hanlon and I'm my co-host, Gar Mullins. Gar Mullins. Okay, so with the second series, we have a new idea. So we're parking Gadget of the Week for the moment, and we're going to do Ingredient of the Week. So every week, myself and Gary are going to give you a fresh ingredient um, for Series 2 that we like using at the moment and something that we're seeing a lot of value in. So, uh, Gary, what's your fresh ingredient of the week this week? I'm going to go with celery. No way, man. Celery? Wow. I absolutely love celery and it must it, be in the minority with that a lot of yeah, people don't like it it's it's weird actually it's, celery's almost like coriander where people are like oh yeah, don't yeah. like it but you know well it's a sofrito like where you know I, w- I would brunoise up like a load of couple of chef peels now there what's a sofrito what's yeah well, I suppose it all depends how you want to use it but basically a sofrito is almost like a freshly made condensed almost caramelised fresh natural stock flavoring unami whatever you want to call it you know what i mean it's a base that i might feed into a sauce or a stock or a pasta dish or depending on what that dish might be and what it is in a nutshell is you know finely diced shallots finely diced onion finely diced white of leek uh, finely diced peeled celery and um, did I say carrot there? I think and carrot, then a brunoise of carrot as well. And basically, you know, a little bit of olive oil and butter and a low heat. And you could, and you just keep, you, you put like a load of it. And it all depends how much of it you want to make, really. You can freeze it then in ice cube trays or you can spoon it into, you're basically going to keep cooking that out until it almost stews down into itself. You know what I mean? You'd see it in a lot of, I tell you, he was a big believer in Sofrito, was uh, Heston Blumenthal, was, was, was a big fan of it. A lot of it, Italian high-end Italian chefs would use it a lot. Well, it's definitely much in a, it's an Italian technique, right? And yeah. It's very much used as the base of like bolognese yes. or different risottos, and uh, it's like that base layer flavor. If you move into French cookery, it's called a mirepoix, yeah, which is a bit of a bigger, but it's the same yeah. ingredients: carrots, onion, celery, leek. Yeah, and, and it'll th- be in a lot of your soups and stocks and sauces. Yeah, and in French cookery, like the mirepoix almost go in like you know raw, or they do whatever. Like whereas in Italian cookery, it's something that's nearly fed in in the latter stages. You know what I mean? Because I, I anyway personally, when I do it. I nearly cook it right down and almost caramelize it. Like, so you're talking like I might bring it down by, you know, eight tenths or whatever. Like, it'll go right down into a lovely, sweet, salty, umami type paste. Almost like those little Nor chicken bouillon cube uh, tubs that you would get. And then you're feeding in a really high concentrated level of flavor into. It's a bit chefy and it's a bit whatever. But going back to celery, 
there isn't a pot of soup that I make that wouldn't have celery in it. You know what I mean? There isn't a pot of soup that I would make that wouldn't have. So whether it's a pureed soup or what have you, or a broth in particular, obviously in a broth, you peel it. And what I mean by peeling as well is peeling celery is something that I don't think even a lot of chefs do, or at least not enough chefs do. But basically, when you trim off the flour at the top of a celery, trim off the base part right down as close to the root as you can. That's where you do most of your cleaning. That's where any dirt that's in celery will stick so make sure you clean it really well in cold water then at the opposite end of the root you have the flour end and trim that off but keep it the celery flour packs an unbelievable flavor it's an it's an absolutely beautiful herb or vegetable whatever you want to look at it but to feed into soups and sauces make sure you you don't use or salads you don't use too much of it actually because it is quite pungent so you got to use it wisely then what you want to do is you turn the celery around and you look at the back of it where you've got these lines. And if you take a little office knife or a paring knife, a little small flat blade knife, and you nick into those little lines and you peel back, you'll actually, it'll be like taking away a little tough wire. And it, and it really is. Stringing. And it's like a string, almost like uh, floss. You'll, you'll tear it away. You can nearly floss with it. It's so tough, which shows you that it should be peeled away because it is quite, it is quite tough and difficult to eat. You know what I mean? But celery brings, for me, cooking without the foundation of flavor, whether it's a pasta dish or a pan sauce and you start with olive oil and chopped shallots and chopped garlic. You may not like garlic. You may not like shallots. You won't even know that they're in there. But without starting a sauce right or starting a soup right with certain flavors celery and veg from Ameripois you will never ever achieve a deep enough flavor and for me then if you're having a little chicken tempura or something spicy some celery sticks and carrot sticks peeled washed cut up into battens into a bowl, cover with water, add a decent sh- shovel of or two of ice, leave it for about half an hour. That really, really hardens the celery. You'll almost snap it then like a, like a stick and absolutely beautifully refreshing if you're having a little chicken wing that we've often talked about, a buffalo chicken wing or a chicken tempura. So I just love celery. I really do. I've always used it. I use an awful lot of it, which is a nightmare in France because I mentioned before <laughs> Christmas. Gas. can be difficult to find in France the odd time, you know. But, I, yeah, I love celery. And it's funny because I'm going to choose, and I was nearly going to change my mind there in a minute ago, but um, I'm going to do celeriac. Yeah. Because I think it's a vegetable that in our world is used all the time. Uh, we use it in soups and purees and crushed. And, and anyone that doesn't know what a celeriac is or is not doesn't know what I'm talking about, it kind of looks a little bit like a turnip. Um, so it's the size of a turnip, so... You know, like a small football, really, and then um, it has kind of knobbly uh, on the outsides, and then but when it's peeled and it's um, stewed or put into a soup, it gets this really creamy flavour that's hard to get from any other vegetable. It's quite distinctive in flavour. Quite earthy, isn't it? It's beautiful. Yeah. Like it's such a delicious vegetable, and it do it's it's part of the celery family, right? But it doesn't have that lingering flavour that celery has. And I, t- I like the way you describe with celery, it's a bit like you either love or, or hate it. Yeah. If you serve somebody celery that doesn't like celery, they no matter what you're going to yeah. do with it. Yeah, they know they're eating it. Exactly. Yeah. Where I think celeriac, there's a little bit more 
It's a little bit more subtle. Well, you can manipulate it when you mash it as you well. Can, you can, yeah. Know. Like, it's really delicious, right? And I mean, you can add it in with potatoes to soften the flavour. Or I mean, you your can... truffle shaver will come in great oh, because <laughs> when you shave a lot of truffles I'm over... I'm looking forward to the big sponsorship deal I'm going to get off if, the truffle shaver. If you, if you were to feed in like a little pan pasta, they say some pappardelle and some wild mushrooms and yeah, be... for a bit of depth of flavour, if you fed in a tablespoon or two of a, a velvety celery act puree and then finished it with a load of shaved truffle and parmesan and black pepper giddy up yeah or even you know I think it's amazing in coleslaw Uh, I do a a bang bang chicken recipe which is just raw exactly so you'd see a lot of it but the bang bang chicken recipe is just very very finely shaved carrot leek and celeriac and then you bind it with a little bit of a, a, a curry mayonnaise okay. and then put some shredded chicken into it and it's delicious as a, a salad or as a slaw or as a filling for a sandwich but it's probably not a vegetable that everybody puts their hand to because they one they don't know what to do with it but yeah. like it can be eaten raw it can be eaten cooked it can be eaten in soups and I think it's a I think it's a cool veg at this time of year it's bang on in season there's loads of it around at the moment there's probably not a restaurant in Ireland at the moment it doesn't have a feature somewhere on their menu yeah. it works amazing with game it's yeah. brilliant with fish it's great with meat it's, it's, it can be roasted whole like you would do. I think salt you salt baked yeah I do a lovely celery lasagna where I, I, I peel it you, you spoke know. about a whole roasted cauliflower I think yeah. earlier on well you can do the exact same thing with a celeriac celeriac yeah actually Mark Moriarty who was on a few weeks ago we spoke about him winning the Young Chef of the Year he actually won it with a whole roasted celeriac that was the dish that he that's won that's right yeah he, uh, he salt baked it and then he, he roasted it I think with hay he had two or three different but it's cost us so much flavour so it's like ultimately as a chef and I know a lot of the feedback we're getting is in and around they're, they're interested in hearing a couple of professionals talk about the professional world but it's ingredients like celery and celeriac that really elevate your cookery because there's loads of flavour in them Yeah. and I suppose if there's one thing that if you're, if you're tuning into this podcast from a, a culinary point of view our whole purpose as chefs is about finding flavour so we go after these amazing ingredients to help us really elevate the, fl- the flavour on plate so yeah. that's two good ones um, that's going to be a good segment I, uh, that we were kind of wondering yeah, where that was going to go yeah we were running yeah. out of gadgets yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah hence the fact that we started getting a bit fancy yeah exactly with the, with the gadgets there for a while and today we have a mixture of Gordon Ramsay Tyson Fury <laughs> Joe Pesky you name it this boy comedian and impressionist United fan and good pal of mine and Gareth. I had to men- mention the fact he was United fan. <laughs> I had to, <laughs> I had to, go had to there. throw it in there. I think he's the first United fan we've had on here. Al Foran. Welcome <laughs> to Dishing It Out. Good man, Al. Nice one. Good to, good to be on. Was it Lar Kinlan? Was he not? He, you had him on. Oh, yeah, Lar yeah. was the United man, yeah. yeah. Well, it, the good thing about Lar is at least there's a bit of Liverpool in his house. And there's a young Liverpool fan. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's staying amazing. in Anfield, yeah. <laughs> That's broke. amazing. Oh, how can you, how can you let that. something like that? How can you let... I know uh, that infiltrate your house. Apparently, they're going to move the bedroom into the house. He sleeps out in the shed. The young boy. <laughs> apparently, at some point, they move him in. Give him the box man. room. My, my wee boy Ollie, like the switch went when he was just before he turned six, and it could have went either way. You know what I mean? Cora, she's ten now. Like yeah. she, she's like, oh, I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm a City fan. She's more a guy girl anyway. You know what I yeah. mean? So she, she only says she's a Liverpool. Hope she supports the dubs. To to. <laughs> And she she would just say a Liverpool fan just to wind me up because she's a good old crack. She yeah. makes a wee bit of stern. But we Ollie, 
my boy Ali, he's the only one in the house that loves his daddy. He is a Man United diehard, and it just good man. I'm, I'm not going to say it I've happened. Seen that game you were at a few weeks ago, and I've never in my life ever wanted Man United to win a game. I but know. in my heart yeah. of hearts, Half I was fair like, play to you. Jesus, I hope you get yeah, it. And then he had a you had a blade magic win like in the end, two 0 down. Yeah. Unbelievable, crying. There's boys behind him lifting him and hugging him, telling him everything's going to be all right. And I'm like, I don't know if it is. We're getting absolutely tore asunder. And then, of course, I'm an eternal optimist anyway. And I was like, going, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We'll score one or two. When we got our second, right, I looked over at him. He was slumped sorry, in the Sorry, seat. did you just say eternal optimist? I am. Have you not seen our WhatsApp group? <laughs> That's why. That's why I know I you. You got to be it in front, in front of the, the young lad. But Jesus Christ! I know. That's why I have it on silent. Like I can't. I I can only pop into. We have a Man United WhatsApp group. Me and Al are in it. Simon Delaney. There's a lot of boys in media world are in it. Guys, it is a lonely hearts club. It's been a tough spot. Stick us in. I'll throw a few cloth videos in there. Everybody throws in a few grenades. You know, as I I I did the United Way Al's Man U podcast a few weeks ago <laughs> and I said to him like like I always feel like I let myself down because I'm just emotional the light switch goes off it's usually Aaron Wambasaka that sends me off on one <laughs> I absolutely yeah, you posted a video <laughs> I, I lose my mind and I'm thinking she's Connor Pope must think I'm a thug you know what I mean <laughs> and all these other polys dude so I'll first things first I suppose you know, this isn't a football pod. It's all about yes, food in a yes, way here. Yes. You are the father of two, am I right? Yeah, two girls. Yeah. Uh, Chloe, my youngest, is five months old. Wow. And Sophia, my oldest, is five next month, next Feb. Wow, yeah. wow. And does daddy or mommy do the cooking in your gaff? It's a, it's a, it's a bit of a mix. Yeah. Alison is fantastic at, at doing a roast dinner. Yeah. Like, it's a, she has a real knack for it. Yeah. Um, her roasties are incredible. Yeah, uh, she she learned how to kind of do the roasties from my from my own mother. Oh, you your mother in law getting stuck in? No, no. Her my her mother in law is amazing as well. Yeah, my mom has like this magic touch when she oh. makes roast potatoes, <laughs> but she's she's really good. Yeah, she did the like the Christmas dinner this year was fantastic. Now so you sit in your hole while she's making the dinner. No, no, no. I, I'll, I'll stop you there. I'm. <laughs> I am the international intercontinental guy. Do you know what I mean? I I'm do I do the pastas. I do all of the, oh, yeah, the yeah the international d- dishes and stuff nice. like that. You know I'd be the yeah. steak and all. That I well. cracked up one day. I probably mentioned it here in season one of the show. Like I cracked up one day at our house, standing behind the island, and you know I was making a dinner. It must have been a roast of some sort because it was spuds anyway, whatever. And Cora's like, oh, I hate them dinners. Oh, I don't eat spuds and all. He's like, I don't want spuds. I hate. Spuds. And I'm like going. We're not fucking Italians. <laughs> I had a meltdown of that. Just and every time I get thick, now she goes, "Ooh, we're not fucking Italians." <laughs> uh, right? And I'm just Italian. like, "How? How has my wains grown up to not eat spuds?" You know what I mean? I know. So I think yeah. I go to the bar now, the odd Sunday. I make a roast, and honest to God, it's an hour and a half looking at their faces, utter dejection and disappointment. <laughs> and you're like, "What? Why am I bothering?" Because like, the, the cleanup is. Brutal. Yeah. Annette will eat it. I eat it. But it's hard to enjoy a dinner when there's three wains crying in your face about it's, eating yeah, that's not good. and gravy and a lovely roast beef. Or so h- how do you approach the week? Like who, how do you get to, like your job now, you're in here I suppose a good bit. I'd, I'd be in here, yeah. I'd be. Work late I'd say when you're doing comedian. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be away a bit. But right. yeah, there's a lot of like, we do tend to like go with a lot of fish dishes as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do like, 
I, I do a little surf and turf at times. You know? Oh man. <laughs> ah, yeah. I like those uh, the the Kyogans, um the prawn pill pill. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I I mix them in with a bit of uh, ribeye and uh sometimes right. <clears throat> not, not a lot of houses cook fish in no, Ireland anymore, no. don't they not? Like oh, I I think yeah. fish is where it's at. Uh, yeah. It's for me. It's and does your so daughter? Does she, does she fish? She do well, fish fingers. <laughs> yeah, fish. yeah, yeah. No, we try to give her a bit of fish fingers, and she look cauliflower is her favorite veg. Wow. But yeah, for me, that I I always kind of delve into that. Yeah, I like a bit of haddock as well, you know. Yeah. But listen, I'm not, I I'm not on any level. I, I fancy myself sometimes. Like if I want to go for it, I do a little prawn pasta with. I like I like um. Rigatoni, that's my favourite yeah. type of pasta. Um, add a bit of prawns to it and add the um, the tomato and mascarpone yeah. Yeah, sauce. Lovely. I mix that in a little yeah. bit and a bit of basil. Yeah, you know, that's that's when I yeah, I become kicking it up. And that's when I, yeah, that's when I kick it up. And that's <laughs> well, one when, of the questions, right? I mean, obviously you do you, you do impressions, right? Yeah. And I have always wanted to ask somebody to do impressions. How do you hone that skill? Is it just repetition? Yeah, it's repetition. Like. Uh, I mean, I watched too much television right. as a kid. You know, my when first... did you figure out that you were you were good? When I was a very at a very young age, impersonating family members. No way. Yeah, I I would impersonate oh, yeah. my aunties, my uncles at christenings, weddings, stop all sorts of deals. I, I like if there was a microphone, I'd grab it. Right. You know, and I'd be doing an impression of my late uncle Jerry, my uncle Jimmy, and um, my auntie Maureen. Uncle Donald, I'd always kind of study their their characteristics. The and, does, and does there need to be like a certain mannerism or a noise or something unique about somebody's voice that that, yeah, that yeah, helps you, you get a hook in? You pick up, you pick up kind of a, a certain characteristic. Yeah, and then you de- you develop the the yeah. inflection as it goes. But like with regards to doing celebrities and yeah. you know all these famous sports people like I started doing that at a young age as well like I did the you're on Sky Sports guy do you remember the fella I just used to yeah, yeah, yeah. you're on Sky Sports <laughs> I, I thought that was a great show by the way and he used to take calls from like you know Premier That's League right. fans yeah he had the longer hair yeah he was deadly <clears throat> he was brilliant yeah I put them fur there was fur Greenslade no anyway yeah I forget his name yeah, yeah. But I like I started doing impressions of Fergie and all the other yeah. football figures, and I watched Goodfellas when I was eight years old. No way! <laughs> so that's why. I, Go know, Pesci and I, all the Robert yeah, De Niro. My holy trinity is Pesci, yeah, yeah, De Niro and Pacino. Yeah, you know, so the holy grail. Uh, well, I'm doing that. <laughs> you got to delve into Pacino. No, I do the older Al Pacino. I think the Pacino that talks like that. And then when you're doing De Niro, you have to, uh, it's uh, very much like that. You know, it's it's very reserved. I know when you do Pesci, you know, what the fuck are we talking about here? You know what I mean? Maybe I should talk about Man United about a lot more. You know, put you, more energy into it. You can nearly see the character in the, face, in the face as well. Like, it's mad. But, but what's interesting about that is, like, if somebody becomes good at something, there has to be obsession there somewhere. Like, it's like whenever we speak to anybody in the food world, it's like at the doing all right. They like Mark Moriarty was sitting there a few weeks ago. Mark was talking about when he was twelve or thirteen, writing letters to Michelin yeah. star restaurants, and you know, like you obviously had a, a skill for that, and you're making mm. a living out of it. So, but then it has to be, there has to be a bit of a obsession in there. I somewhere. sent emails to this place <laughs> fifteen years ago. Yeah. No way. Yeah, this place and the likes of two FM. Asking them what? Oh, can you check out my impressions? See if you know. Uh, and where was your first break then? 
my first break um, came on Facebook. Right. Uh, th- was, th- yeah, th- social media must have been a big help. Social media was a big help. And mm-hmm. doing the impression was a massive help. And in 2015, Conor McGregor was on the rise. Yeah. And when I did that impression, it just... It went like it went across the UK. It went to America because he was the most talked about sports person in the world mm. uh, at that time. So I I had the repertoire behind me already, but just that impression kind of got you going. It, it, it got me going. Yeah, and, and an easy one for you to learn. Quite it was quick, an easy. Too, yeah, it? it was an easy enough one to learn. Yeah. That's a double. Accent. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, it's a Dublin accent. You know, and the mannerisms of the dubs is within yeah, it. Yeah, and my my like my. Um, family business on my dad's side is uh, construction they had a construction company yeah. you know and I used to work on the sites with lads like that so yeah, I, yeah I, you knew the crack I knew the crack I knew, yeah and um, yeah like it was easy enough to, to perfect yeah. that you know? I saw I mean I remember like it's a, probably a few years ago now but I remember being on Twitter one day and I'm pretty sure I saw you on stage with Tyson and I remember that day yeah. going Holy shit, Al's doing well for himself. And I was all happy, like, you know, because obviously... Which Tyson? With, with, with Fury. That's what's not. No, no, which no, Tyson? Sorry, Mike, Mike Tyson or Tyson Fury? Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah. No, I, no, I, I no. you were Mike Tyson somewhere. Uh, or were I, you doing a Tyson impression? It was me doing Mike Tyson to Floyd Mayweather. To no, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. And that was yeah. the video. That was 2017. So yeah, that sounds if, if we right. go back a little further, around 2015, I, I was working in Tommy Hilfiger and in fashion retail for okay. a few years and you know just swan you know swanning my way through life but uh when I started going viral on Facebook I decided to take the plunge and leave my job and yeah you know well. I was getting gigs and it was a bit of a risk at the time but mm-hmm. it was a risk that I could afford to take you know I was a young lad I didn't mm. have you know I don't have a family like I do now I could, yeah. I could afford to do it at the time and um and did anyone give you a push did anyone say right now the enough, time the first week I, I left I was like right what do I do now and then I got a about two days later a message from um, Grace O'Reilly in joe.ie really? and I worked for joe.ie for six months Deadly. and that was an experience as well I learned learned a couple of things along the way I made great content with them but it was you know it was set yeah. off from, from there they sponsored Connor didn't they at the start they did. Yeah, one of his last fights. In 2014. One of his big pro fights. Diego Brando. Back of his jocks, Diego Brando yeah. fight in um, That's right, yeah, the yeah, Tree yeah. Arena. Yeah, well. Um, so I was with them and yeah, it was it was good fun. Um, and then I was getting gigs along the way. Yeah. And fast forward to 2017, it was March 2017, I got a support, supporting kind of gig for that Floyd Mayweather show in Birmingham. Yeah. And um, I went on stage, I did a couple of the impressions uh, it was on for 15, 20 minutes and Floyd, one of Floyd Mayweather's, one of his 345 strong entourage, right. a, a ridiculous he amount a of crowd, people he, he brings yeah. with him, um, had seen my performance on stage and he went backstage and told Floyd that, oh, this guy was doing Conor McGregor impressions, Mike Tyson and all other boxing impressions and De Niro and all that and Mayweather said let that guy come up on stage no way that's what it was yeah Yeah. so I was told an hour before that he wants you to go up on stage we'll be ready with the microphone for you I remember getting the mic and I went up and I did McGregor I did Mike Tyson I did Donald Trump I did De Niro Jesus did a few I just went for it I just went for it Um, and uh, we posted I I remember his his, uh, his PR girl came up to my agent at the time, Daniel, at the end, and she said, 
if you're if he's posting this video on social media, please take out the Donald Trump one. Floyd, no way. Yeah. Because it was obviously out of time. Floyd, Floyd was one of the biggest contributors to Donald Trump's campaign. Stop. <laughs> oh, shit. Sport, in sports. Sport, yeah, out, yeah. out of all the sports people, he was one of the biggest contributors no to Trump's. I would say you're uh, one so of the... So they had you, to take it out. Yeah. <laughs> you're one of the few people in it the was, world that was delighted to see Trump get in, were you? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you've another few months now, actually, to ride that bandwagon again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Giving you a helping hand with your food frustrations. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Subscribe for free on the Go Loud app and never miss an episode. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. And did you ever have anybody take the home picture for doing an impression? That's another question I always wanted to ask someone that does your job. Um, does everybody take the humour in it? No, they, they, they kind of, they're humoured by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, gets the crack out of it. Who have you done right in front of their face? I'm sure you've done McGregor in front of McGregor. Yeah, no, you've and done McGre- he got Tyson Fury in front of Tyson Fury. McGre- McGregor, McGregor, when McGregor finds it funny, yeah. like, <clears throat> McGregor goes, ah, he goes, ah, God bless him. He goes, he goes, he do, the other impressions are very good, but the one he does of me is absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's an awful impression, you know. So, and he says that all the time. Every yeah, ah, yeah. God bless him. He says, yeah, yeah. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> is there ever, ever anybody is. that you want to do but you just can't get? Well, I mean that must be a thing, is it? It is, but y- you can perseverance. You'll just get it. Y- you can persevere. Yeah, you can be like a woodpecker. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, Christopher Walken was one that I thought I couldn't do. Oh, Christopher Walken. You know, you're talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking like this, and my car for the last couple of weeks. I don't know what to do. But I think I should feature the impression a lot more. So we'll see what happens. I actually love that scene from that movie, Seven Psychopaths. It was Martin McDonough directed it. Oh, yeah. And a uh, load of lads pull up in SUVs in the middle of the desert and they have fucking machine guns pointing at uh, Christopher Walken. Hands up! And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> put, put your hands up. I don't feel like it. <laughs> he's a cool, he's a cool but, yeah, I, yeah, but, but I have a machine gun. You, you're supposed to put your hands up and he goes, too bad. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking great scene. So guys, you probably, you probably want to become a big superstar now and have the legs of Al doing you, doing you. Just doing, Do you know, I remember I, I was doing something and uh, Gift Grub done an impression on me. He was like mimicking me wherever we were doing. Yeah. And my brother rang me. He was like, Man, you've landed. <laughs> obviously, my accent. That sometimes when you're in the world of media, when you hear my Dublin accent, yeah, I go, just didn't expect that. So yeah. I remember my brother Kenny ringing me, going, "No way, man!" He says he because he obviously listened yeah. to it all. He did time. it. Oh yeah, yeah. My brother Pierce never missed it. And when Eva Orsmond did the restaurant, there was, <coughs> there was one scene on the tasting where I had a bit of a meltdown about you have a meltdown. I don't believe it. Do you believe how, it how bad her food was, right? And I was like going. Lift it all, wrap it all up, and fuck it in the bin. <laughs> Just go and eat an apple. If it. Just yeah, go yeah, eat yeah. an apple. But anyway, Mario did that scene in Gift Grub. Oh, right, Pierce yeah. rang me, my older brother goes, You're boxed off! Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. I peaked. 
Mario disappeared. Mario. And I know Mario really well because he's never gone yeah. back down that route again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mario, Mario for me growing up was, you know, a hero of mine. And he's, you know, he's, ah, he's brilliant. I've been on his podcast a couple of times now as well. And yeah. I always have to crack with him. But he is, he's, he's brilliant. And, in in a way, for me, he's he's like an innovator, you know, in yeah. in, in what he did. And Jesus, like it's a lot of content, like twenty plus years now they're doing. Yeah, it. twenty plus Every years. Every day they gotta have a show. It. Yeah. Skit. You know, Jesus, he's unbelievable. Well, you're doing the same thing, sitting there, and I can see your your whole yeah. demeanor changes, like. You know, it's, there, yeah. there's no warm up. You but just go when you into speak a to anybody in the world of creativity, and arguably, our jobs have to be creative. They're not always creative. Yeah. But sometimes there's loads of reputation involved, but you do have to every season come up with a new menu. Every time yeah. there's a new restaurant, you've create something, and it can be <clears throat> it can be a difficult thing mm. to do as a chef. It's something that you have to learn. And I remember the insecurity about being a young chef when someone asked me for a dish. Yeah, and I was like. How do they not like? And then as you get, and I'm sure it's the same mm. in your world. You just get more used to it, and then, but it's all just about practice, practice, practice. It's all about practice, yeah. And it's all about, you know, especially when you're in a live setting, like any other stand-up comedian. Mm. You know, sometimes you'll have bad gigs. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah, you will. Jesus, you know, but you have to stick to it and yeah. stick in character. Yeah, there, there's um, have a bit of there's a methodical. Like... Yeah, there's a methodical approach approach that you have to take. Yeah, to, to being an impressionist, it's a bit of a Daniel Day Lewis kind of thing. Right, but you know, it's it's a skill of kind of going in and out of these. You know, going deep into these characters and then. Yeah, finding your way. Where's out. the best place that you've performed? Like, where have you felt that you had the crowd at the tip of your? Um, like, oh, the Tree Arena last year for the overlap yeah. was very emotional for me, right. considering it was you know it's it, it's in my hometown and you know performing in front of ten thousand people was just mental. unbelievable. Jeez, never thought I'd never thought I'd, I'd, I'd oh it was mental. That's there's a couple of others. I mean, the Empire Theatre in Liverpool for one of Tyson's shows was fantastic. Uh, you know, I know we're not we're United fans, but fucking hell, Liverpool crowds. Yeah, Liverpool's are, a great. City. Liverpool crowds are amazing, and yeah. they're they're class. Like they're they're very attentive, attentive, and they're you know they're great to acts and stuff like that. So that was one of my one of my favorite gigs that I did. One of the biggest gigs I I did was obviously um, Saudi Arabia in October. Yeah. Oh, you were over there for that? For before the Tyson, really? Okay, um, yeah, yeah. And then Ganyu fight. Pictures, yeah. So, I was on stage, and part of my set, I, I can do a stand-up set, and I also right. do a set with an MC where I provide them with script and questions, and I kind of go from there. They feed you, but whatever you yeah, get. they 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 kind of have the the guide in front of them to move on to the next character and the question attached, and it was Michael Buffer who was interviewing me <laughs> on stage, and in the audience was. Mike Tyson, Manny Pacquiao, Sugar Ray Leonard, Jeez. Israel Adesanya, Eminem, Brazilian Ronaldo, Wow, Figo, yeah, yeah. Um, got them all in a photograph. The Furies, yeah, 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 yeah got yeah. loads of photos, loads of ex UFC champs. Yeah, there's a few more I'm missing. It was just, yeah, yeah, absolutely mental. mental. But the only problem with it was obviously I, I couldn't swear. Yeah, Tyson was there as only. Tyson Mike was Tyson, there. Yeah, yeah. My, oh yeah, Mike Tyson was there. Oh, I wasn't allowed to swear, and I wasn't allowed to do Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah the political thing. Politics. But here's the funny thing, right? 
Cristiano Ronaldo was there, but he didn't attend the dinner. He was outside at the red carpet. Trying. And got, yeah, <laughs> gotten a picture with all the champions. All right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were all holding the glove. <laughs> yeah. There was a picture of all these ex-champions and loads of ex- and a few ex-footballers. But the um, the organisers of the event obviously initially thought that Ronaldo would be attending the dinner. Yeah. And they said, eh, one impression we'd like you to leave out is is Wayne Rooney. <laughs> I said, oh, well, uh, Cristiano has took umbrage with some comments that Wayne Rooney made about him. <laughs> um, That's mad, After man. he left Manchester United. Yeah. What did he say? He said he, I think he said he was like over the hill or something. He yeah, was, it, was, it was normal. And he said, oh, but apparently like really hates, hate, Yeah. It wasn't Ronaldo. They, they, like they didn't ask Ronaldo. Said this guy's doing away. They just yeah, they just stay away. It was just completely under assumption. They thought, oh, if he does Wayne Rooney, Cristiano might walk out. That's oh, <laughs> mad. They must be treating him like a god over there, are they? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, maybe that's where I got the Tyson thing in my head because I was sure I'd seen you photograph with Tyson or around like Mike Tyson. I keep I should say Mike Tyson because you you've done an awful lot with Tyson Fury yeah. over the years, haven't you? The two of us. You got to remember that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's two of us, and he's you know he's the business. He's the he? current champion. He's the business. I you listen. I thought about he, talk about a life led. Oh man. I mean what yeah. like I mean it's incredible his backstory. Yeah. Mike Tyson. He um you know, and, and Tyson Fury also is yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. he's the business, you know, he's just such a an approachable chap. I've seen that one with Tyson Fury's talking about Mike Tyson, you know, yeah. and he's saying to him, That's probably like maybe the guts of a year old now. I think they've been in the studio together since and maybe the conversation was a bit yeah. different recently at that Saudi one. But there was a really nice piece that I that I saw when Tyson Fury's dad was basically just saying mm. to Mike Tyson across the radio studio like just how much he was revered yeah. by them all and you could see Tyson welled up like he yeah. got really emotional yeah about, he did yeah I mean? and he seems like a guy that's you know he's gone into a dark spot and has thankfully come out the other side but he he says himself he's probably going to go back into the darkness again so. I think so with, with Mike Tyson there is a bit of a an, an unpredictability yeah there's a there's switch still, there is, that's why he was such a, switch. a good boxer I have a good story as well um, so I did the I was again doing a bit a little set at the Mike Tyson show in the Helix in 2018 he came over and sold out the Helix and uh I arrived early to the venue and just getting myself mentally prepared more so. Mm. And uh, we said I brought my cousin along. My cousin is a huge boxing fan, you know, loved Mike Tyson. And uh, the two of us were brought into this dressing uh, dressing room and it was proper fancy dressing for me. I was thinking, Jesus, geez, I'm doing all right here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I didn't even think I was getting a dressing yeah, yeah. room. Um, so I was in there and there had fucking Skittles and M&M's and Tato crisps everywhere cans of Coke there was a bar in the dressing room like it was proper fancy my gear bag <laughs> Jesus <laughs> so we were there for about an hour and a half and my cousin I, I don't really like to eat before gigs so I just it's a mental yeah. thing I don't no no I can't worry about no, it. Yeah, no yeah. I'll, I'll fucking stuff my face after me yeah, gig yeah. if I'm satisfied with it you know and um, we were there for an hour and a half and the cousin was there eating fucking everything <laughs> <laughs> eating to, and filling these boots in walks uh, the promoter Spencer um, who was Tyson Fury's manager and um, he walked in and then 
Oh, you were in here? I said, yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. What are you fucking doing in here? I said, they, they brought us in here, Spencer. I said, oh, fuck, you know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so Spencer was at the bar and then in walks like fucking four security guards, former guard of honour, and in walks Mike Tyson. Oh, no. You're in the wrong gaff. <laughs> no, he he, nice skills. No. <laughs> the death stare he gave me and me cousin. Stop. Yeah, oh. and we were like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, we, we walk. Shine's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all yours, mate. <laughs> you already knew that is like he's a blading security guard, like for what? Yeah. I mean, who, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean? He had four security guards. Oh, and I've never seen like I've, Probably just every, everyone, not get sued, everyone's you know. aware of Tyson, he's not the tallest mm. heavyweight. But Jesus Christ, the weight of him. The, like yeah, a block. A like a, a unit. A block unit. And like he had just launched his his um his marijuana uh, range and he has his own uh, weed farm in feckin' in Nevada. Like, yeah, it's like super. But he was smoking. He was smoking all of that. Yeah, all. yeah. And when he well, went you on see stage, in the states now, it's totally legal, right? I mean, it's called completely legal. Yeah, states. and when yeah. I think it's fifty states now. Well, well I can tell you now, right? Everybody's taking a wee bit of something every night, mm. etc. A little bit of mushrooms or a little bit of whatever in teas, and I mean everyone. You know mm. the different CBDs and whatever it'll be all. Anybody that yeah. I know that's been there, they're all veering away from wine and veering away from beer and they're finishing a tough day and they're chilling around. They're just making a wee bit of tea or doing yeah. whatever. And I'm like... Oh, I actually watched a the thing with yeah, Gordon Ramsay and Gino DeCampo and Fred. Did you see yeah. that series they have? And they're over in the States and they try a little... They're in this... Yeah. Did you see it, no? I and your man no. Gino, like, he played and proper gets into it. Like, but the end of it, he's like absolutely spaced and Gordon Ramsay wouldn't touch any of it. Yeah. He, oh. like, you know, your man Gino, like, oh, he was... Was Gino, was he mixing it with alcohol? He was, they were in, in your man's yeah. gaff and it was like a cucumber sandwich and you put a little drop on it and Gino was like putting yeah. and 10 drops on it. But by <laughs> the end of it, he was... Yeah, <laughs> was yeah, yeah, it was so funny. Well, he's overzealous. Yeah, well, that's his, that's his that's character. Old, like, if you went to a winery, he's baiting the big wine into the malads are spitting into the bucket yeah. but uh, that's the thing in America like you know you, it's just legal over there so is it le it's legal in every, I not every it, state not every most. state but it's like that's what I was saying I think it's 50 states oh, now. it's a lot when you were talking about being in the green room that was all set up like some of the riders that come in in different hotels have worked mm. through the years there'd be weird stuff being asked for and I'd be like I wonder does the talent actually want that like you know it'd be like m, &M yeah you wonder Skittles. is it put on a bit but what, yeah. now what happens is right they're somewhere, like you, they're on a world tour and they go into a Dublin and they get a bag of tater crisps and they say to somebody, Jesus, them tater are nice, weren't they? So then whoever's job it is that's, yeah, like, that's yeah. looking they after the logistics will go, he really likes those blade and tater crisps. Like he was going on about them yeah. there when we were in Dublin. So then they're going over to England. It lands on the rider because sometimes a rider yeah. will come in and it'll be Jack mental yeah. yeah and then other times like a, a real megastar be coming in and they ask for nothing the nothing yeah and I'd be like I think it's more the people that aren't yeah. that's all that happens they just say they like yeah. it like yeah. red roses I did a world roses, I did a so. world title fight for Bernard Dunn years ago well say I did it like I just happened to be the executive chef at the property and mm. you know I work with his nutritionist for the week or whatever I mean that was that was the most disciplined hu human being I've ever seen in my life it was yeah. just the most I always remember you know one slice of bread cut in half, one teaspoon of mayonnaise, one slice of lettuce, one slice of tomato, <coughs> three slices of boiled poached or poached chicken, and no seasoning, 15 grapes or 15 unsalted cashew nuts. 
that was it. This was in the lead up to the weigh-in, right? That's always all they were eating. And then the sandwich then was there to be ready for the second he gets off the scales. It had to be ready. But the one that really stood out was the dressing room. As soon as he leaves the dressing room, every packet of crisps that can be found, box of them all, every single bar of chocolate that can be Something found, down. every flavour of donut that can be found, bought, made, whatever, and every drink, soda drinks, like sparkling drink yeah. or whatever. Literally, his dressing room turned into a tuck shop the minute <laughs> he left. Because the fight could last 90 seconds, yeah. 20 seconds, 9, 10 rounds, 12 rounds, whatever it'll be. But everybody was just standing waiting outside. And as soon as Bernard came out, I was there. Everyone's just gone in with all the stuff so that he's just replenishing or else it's the crew. But that was the thing. They're just going to stuff their faces the minute they get back into the dressing room. And it always stood out to me. So you look at Paddy Pimblett. Yeah, UFC Jesus, fighter. He blows up. Yeah, I think he, I I don't know if that's good that's for That's mad. That can't uh, be right. Yeah, man. I don't think that's right. But did you see his recent fight there around Christmas? Like two, oh, two days or... A day after the fight. He looked drained. Oh, yeah, before that, but he looked drained before well, that. Well, he looked drained, but literally in the <clears> space of like two days, he yeah. was he was blown up. He was a balloon, yeah. Yeah. It's it's mad, but he goes all out because I think all of us, yeah, most of his fights are in America. Mm. And he just, I think he stays in America for... Was that what it is? For, for, yeah, for another month. And he's there going to... In it. He's going to in and outs. But look, Al, we always ask our guests to bring on a cookbook. We'll wrap, we usually wrap it up with uh, the cookbook. You look like, unless you've got the smallest cookbook I've ever got seen, I've, you didn't bring it. I mentioned to you I have a few Jamie Oliver ones. Yes. But I do have our good friend... Our good mutual friend Simon Delaney. Ah, I had Simon's Man, cookbook Simon. at home. Simon's Simon's nephew worked with me for a little while. Did he? Yeah, uh, he was. I was doing. Uh, I was doing one of the morning cookery slots, and he said to me, "Oh, my nephew's really into cooking, you know." And I was like, "Oh, really? Cool, yeah." And he told me where he's working, and he came in and worked with me for about a year. Oh wow! Uh, really, really into it. Like yeah. young, young blokes, eighteen, <coughs> seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, can't remember, whatever age he is. Yeah. Um. But Simon really, really loves the world of food and the professional kitchens. He done uh, oh, master, great, yeah, master yeah. chef, didn't he? And, yeah, he did well. Uh, too, yeah, really. Yeah, he really. I think it really intrigues him. Like, He's really passionate he's about. Mad it. Into yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, he wrote yeah. a cookbook. Yeah, yeah. So no, I can't remember well, I, any of the recipes. Elf. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember years ago doing it. I, I was up in the Falcha Ireland, the Falcha Ireland office in Donegal Town. It was the morning after my wee Ollie yeah. seven. I was born. A taste of Donegal was on. I went on the absolute batter with Kevin Dundon, Nevin, Brian McDermott, all the sh- loads, of all the big boys. Derry might have even been about Martin Shanahan that night. Yeah. Wild session anyway. And then Ireland AM had asked me what I'd do the show the next morning <laughs> from the roof, from the roof of the Falch Ireland building at half six Ouch. in the morning. I'm strolling through Donegal Town, absolutely square eyed, trying to find Simon Delaney. I was like, well, why would you do this to me, man? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I'm up <laughs> cooking mussels at seven o'clock oh, in the man. morning for Ireland AM, and I just thought, I never want to see Simon Delaney ever again. You know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it took man. me a while to recover from that one, you know. But that was a good wee book, though. I saw it. He did the Taste of Cavan and yeah. a few of the other food festivals, obviously around the time that he launched it and he was selling it. It was lovely, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a good book. And uh, we must get him on, actually. Simon's Back me, yeah, a, he's, yeah. he's, oh, you got to get him on. He's really into his grub, yeah. Just don't talk about United. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he gets, he gets down, down the dumps, doesn't he? He gets, he gets down a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the... He started the group. He's the ringleader. He's, yeah, he started the whole group. 
Yeah, he oh, is the ringleader. I'm the one who tries to be optimistic. <laughs> try, I try my best. Yeah, there's a few boys on there now that need a few hugs, me included. Well, listen, <laughs> thanks very much, Al, for coming in. It's been brilliant to have you. Brilliant to have you on dishing it out. The very best of luck with your career going forward. You're smashing thanks. it, mate, and continue yeah. to do so. And we'll be supporting you from afar. All right, brother. Appreciate nice it, well. lads. Thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks, mate. We're going to move on now to uh, listener questions, uh, Gareth, and we have a couple here. Yeah. Um, I'll throw out to you first, will I? Hey, guys, loving the podcast. A question about mushrooms. I love mushrooms. Obviously, I know the ones that you can easily get in the supermarket, like chestnut, button, and portobello, but in some stores, there are some other varieties. Have you any recipe ideas for using the likes of king oyster or shimshi mushrooms? Thanks, Connor in Leash. That's a great question. And what the one I would say with oyster mushroom and shimiji is that I automatically think of Asian cookery because, you know, it lends itself so well to... Mushrooms lend itself really well to soy sauce. So if you imagine if you had some oyster mushrooms there and rather than run your knife through them, if you just tear them, they kind of look like ears almost. You can just tear them into little shreds and then a smoke and hot wok a little bit of garlic, a little bit of vegetable oil, saute, and then add in your oyster mushrooms. And if you have shimijis, you can add them in as well. And then saute them for a couple of minutes, take it off the heat, a little bit of sesame oil, some soy sauce. And that in itself would be an amazing store for you to have with some fried rice. Yeah. So if you really want to celebrate those two mushrooms in particular, um, that's what I'd say. But at this time of year, then you've also got things like chanterelles and gerolles. Uh, there's loads of different mushrooms that are out there. Oh, yeah. And I constantly say, on the, you know, I do recipes as you do, Gar, all the time. This time of year, there's loads of mushrooms kicking around. Don't be afraid of them. Treat them like your buttons and your, your um, flat caps or your portobellos. Just always remember when you're cooking mushrooms, mushrooms are almost 90% water. So if you're sautéing them, you need it needs to be really hot. Yeah. And then what happens is when it hits the heat and the oil, the water starts to evaporate, the mushroom flavour starts to intensify and you're left with this wonderful uh, flavour at the end. So Yeah, really, really nice. And the one other thing I would add there is, you know, any kind of pasta dish really, those mushrooms are, are beautiful and, you know, but uh, the samijis, what I absolutely love with those though is if you put a warm pickle over it. So if you get white wine vinegar or cider vinegar and you basically you know say you put in two two or three hundred mils of vinegar into a pot and then you you're probably going to add maybe to kick off about a hundred grams of sugar give it a good mix have it over a really really low heat that it's not going to heat fast but it's enough that there's a small little bit of heat coming into the vinegar and you're actually going to be stirring it nearly with your hand you know what i mean like you're just going to giving it a gentle little mix you're going to sort of feel you can even put it in a bowl and have a bowl over a, a little pot of boiling water or steaming water and you're going to be mixing it take a teaspoon give it a little taste if it's too sharp add more sugar if it's not sharp enough add more vinegar and that's how you get your your pickle juice right you just taste 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 and you literally just adjust either the vinegar or you adjust the sugar anyway you get it to the right temperature you get it to the right flavor there's enough of a of a spike in there from the vinegar but not so much that you can't eat it that's when it's ready take it off give it a good mix Use your hand to go down to the fold down to the bottom of the bowl and make sure that you're not feeling any granules or sugar and you know you've dissolved all of it. 
And then you have your shimmyji mushrooms. You have them washed, you have them laid out, you have them dried, and you have them in a bowl. And then you, it's not a hot, it's not hot, this pickle solution. It's just warm. You're going to pour that over the mushrooms, cover it with cling film, and leave it to the next day or leave it for like a couple of hours. If the mushrooms are really, really small, you only want to leave it in that pickle juice for about an hour. If they're a bit bigger, you can get away with leaving it there like for like a day or whatever. But the oysters, you can probably leave in a jar that's sterilized for a bit longer. The shimjis you'll want to be using like that day. They'll sort of soften, they'll cook. But they are absolutely beautiful. If you want to put a few over cured salmon or gravlax or a smoked salmon or over a salad mixed in through salads or just to finish a nice little pappardelle with some sauteed wild mushrooms beautiful as well so it's a, they, they take really well to pickle and it's a nice thing to do with them next question there then Gaz do you want to yeah I've got a good one here I've been eating granola for breakfast for the past few months now some natural with some natural yogurt but I find I can't get over the price of it any recipes on making good granola at home I've always afraid that I'll make it too sweet or burn the nuts. Linda in North Dublin. Yeah, well, Linda in North Dublin. I have a rule of thumb whenever it comes to anything to do with nuts. You never leave the pan. I mean, pine nuts, hazelnuts, macadamia nuts. They're expensive. Walnuts are, the, are more than likely the most expensive ingredient in every kitchen in the world. They yeah. really are. I mean, I think pistachios or pine nuts can be up in 60 bucks a kilo at certain times of the year. And to put that in perspective, dry-aged beef is in and around... 35 to 45 to 50 depending on what you're buying so you're talking you're talking a fair big chunk more expensive so whenever the the boys would have been toasting pine nuts they have a rule of thumb that you cover the base of the pan you never put more into the pan than what the base of whether it's a small pan or a larger pan you never ever put in more that they're on top of another everything is rested flat in the pan your pan roasting them on a dry heat it's going to pull out the natural oils and you want to toast them so first things first to keep the price down is whatever you do you never ever leave it now as for granola I think granola is really down to the to the individual palate. You get some people that really like a granola that has a lot of dried fruit in it. I hate that. I don't like it to be too nutty. I definitely, definitely don't like... I don't like raisins. I don't like satanas. I don't mind the odd cranberry in there or the odd goji berry, you know what I mean? That's maybe a bit caramelized. There's a wee bit more sweetness in it. Um, if you're going to use nuts, I like a hazelnut or a macadamia that's nibbed or chopped up a wee bit. Um... Almonds can be dear. Pine nuts don't really suit it. So some of the more nuts that are better suited to sweetness. And then, you know, whatever oats you want to use. I mean, there's there's jumbo oats, there's smaller ones, there's different types of ones. You know, whenever it's done and it's cooled down, then you might want to add a, a little bit of like chopped up chocolate nibs or cocoa nibs or whatever it be. It all depends. But one thing to keep the cost down is no matter what happens is if you're making it yourself and you buy all the stuff individually. If it's something that you eat every day, you know you are going to use it. If you're just a flash in the pan, January, February, healthy eating kick, I would advise you not to go out buying like two or 300 gram packets of macadamias and hazelnuts and whatever. And you look at them in the press come June, July and August and then they're rancid and they're no good to you. That's a very expensive mistake to be making. Make your granola in small batches as well. That way it keeps it's Like I, I like crispness and caramelization in it Gareth you know what I mean so again go small go diverse and never leave the pan when you're roasting them 
Yeah, and I think the, watch, the, the idea of roasting the nuts in the pan and not mixing it through the oats is a good idea. Uh, I, the granola recipe that we use is that we just uh, we mix our oats with a little bit of coconut oil and some maple syrup, mm-hmm. um, and then they that gets roasted through the oven on one tray, and then separately to that, if I'm using pecans, as you said, or hazelnuts or macadamias, they get roasted separately, and then five minutes before the end of the granola's ready, I mix in the nuts through the oats, and that's where we just want the whole thing to caramelise. And then I think things like desiccated coconut is really nice to go through there. Um, I always I agree with Gary, not, try not to make it too sweet. And then the other thing I would say to you is when you take it out of the oven, put it onto a rack, leave it sitting there, let it go totally cold. When it goes cold, uh, it will crisp up and then it goes into an airtight container. Um, there's lots of recipes on, online for granola, but the key is choose ingredients that you like. I actually like a bit of dry, dried fruit into it. I don't put the dried fruit in while it's roasting in the oven because I do think things like apricots and dates and figs, they tend to burn a little bit. Yeah. So uh, really think about roasting your oats Whatever oil you're adding in and whatever sweetener, I chose maple syrup. Then you're going to mix your nuts in. And also things like chia seeds are wonderful. You don't need to roast them. Just uh, fold them through at the end. So yeah, it's granola. A pricey, is a, it's a pricey breakfast though. It's something. It's that delicious. Lasts, but it's delicious and it does last a while. You make it, you keep it in an airtight Tupperware container and it'll last for a good week. It lasts longer, yeah, but lasts, you know what I mean? Yeah, like if you're putting the lid on tight all the time. But the key thing is to make it every week and then the, the nuts aren't going to be losing any oil are going soft on you you know what I mean so to keep the Christmas once a week you do it once when I was in Viewmount even in the Chateau that's what we do just give it one rattle and you'll know the volume that you go through in the week so last question for this episode hey lads I want to make a flatbread for a messy board type situation but I'm confused by all the different recipes out there and want your expert opinion online I've spotted ones with yogurt in them, others with just flour and water. I'd love to know what two great chefs like yourself would suggest that your mammy send this in would do <laughs> instead, Helen and Belle first. Well, I'll give you a recipe right now. 300 grams of flour, plain flour, 300 grams of organic natural yogurt and two decently heaped teaspoons of bacon powder. Mix that together, put it in a bowl. You sort of blend it into a dough um, dust a little bit of flour onto a workbench and you're going to work that almost into a ball and then you're going to put it in a in a, a larger bowl cover it with cling film and just leave it for about 30 to 60 minutes in, in a temperate kitchen just a, in, on the countertop of a kitchen and then you're just going to lift them off and you're going to cut out the sort of like a, almost like a small like a baby's fist type a child's fist type size of a ball roll it up into a ball and then you're going to take a rolling pin dust your work surface with flour roll it out uh, flat and depending depending on what you're going to put them in then what I like to do is come in about you sort of want to roll it out to almost the size of an 8 or a 9 inch saucer like just a little side plate roll them out about that size make sure you're using a griddle pan get a griddle pan absolutely smoking white hot and then Go about two centimetres in from the perimeter and score it with the tip of a really sharp office knife. Um, If you want them to puff up, don't do that. But if you want to keep them as a flatbread, score them without going all the way through them. You almost score one half and then flip them over, score the other half. And that's going to keep them flat. Give it a tiny, tiny little bit of a rub. I, I do a little oil with 
crushed red chilies, fresh thyme, chopped rosemary, confit garlic that's crushed up and olive oil mixed up really well. Put a pastry brush into that and I paint the flatbread. I basically brush a light film of that on the flatbread, grill it in a grill pan until they puff up. And they, Sorry, you grill them dry and when they come off the grill pan dry, you, you blacken them on the grill pan. As soon as they come off the grill pan, you paint them with that chilli, garlic, herby, olive oil. And then you can add a little aromatic confit of lamb to that, some pickled red onions, some pickled cucumber, a little bit of a garlic cream sauce or a garlic mayonnaise, and maybe a little bit of shredded iceberg and shredded red cabbage. And you have a nice little sort of a lamb flatbread is really beautiful. Some picked, hand-picked coriander leaves would be really nice. And if look, if you want to be fancy, a little curry oil. A little curry oil, you can finish it with a little curry oil. But there's loads you can do with that then, you know. Yeah, and come here, I, I can't really top that. I would say that if I'm making flatbreads at home, I'm using baking powder and flour and yogurt. If I'm doing it in work, the pastry chefs are doing it and we probably use yeast. But I would yeah. say that uh, and in work, we have to we have the, the luxury of having starter in work. So we probably add a bit of starter into them just to get a bit more flavour into them. But at home, I make them all the time. Whenever I do make a curry, I always make uh, uh, um, little nans, yeah, yeah. little flatbreads. Uh, I have a recipe up on, on my uh, Instagram, so Gary loves when I throw that in. Uh, Gary, I'm sure, has one up there as well. But, you know, these recipes are they're dead handy, and people would think, oh, how would you be able to make bread at home? Like, it literally takes less than five minutes. Well, that was it. There, I just rhymed it off. 300 grams of flour, 300 grams of natural yogurt, and a couple of tablespoons. I, I like a wee bit of a puff on them, so I yeah. throw in two heaped. I never measure them. I just horse in two as much as I can put baking powder as I can put on and the flour. You make, the even food. if you double that recipe and make a few more, they freeze brilliant. Yeah. And all you have to do then is just take them out and pop them into the toaster. Uh, especially if you have kids at home, they're super easy to have as you can put jam on them, honey on them, and you can go anywhere with them. But I think once you get into the world of making a little bit of bread, you'll very quickly yeah. start making things like flatbreads. Then as you go on a little bit, pita breads are very easy to make. You yeah. need to use yeast, but... Uh, a really good question and I think uh, the next time that you're having a curry or you're doing like a, a tagine or something Moroccan give that recipe to Gary just threw out there a rattle and, uh, yeah flatbreads are brilliant yeah, man practice. you know because like you you're almost just creating like a a, a really rapid pizza dough yeah, as well it. almost like, like it's the quickest you know I have a lovely we want to do like I make a fig jam like you know if I was in the restaurants or whatever like I line the base with like a fig jam and then a crozier blue cheese um prosciutto and pan roasted pan roasted butternut squash a brunoise butternut squash and a little bit of pine nuts to finish it and then you top that with some fresh rocket and shaved parmesan and black pepper giddy up man some feed some feed right there there. (laughs) okay so that's it for this week's series Uh, like the big shout out to Al fair play to him he's great crack one he's unbelievable the way he just lands into those different characters I know he didn't do Ramsey oh no we didn't he let the boys down We'll have to no, we'll have to get that <laughs> off at some point. Uh, I was nearly sure that Gordon was going to show up, but I was delighted he done uh, Tyson and Joe Pesci yeah. and all the lads. So if you've any questions to us, we love hearing them in. So we've a new email address, which is uh, food at goloudnow.com. The last one was a bit too long and annoying.
annoying. And yeah, we got rid of it. Some people were just putting in dishing it out and do whatever. So the new email address for all your queries and questions is food at goloudnow.com. And as always, you can throw in the questions. We've had a few across our social channels. That also works. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode. So thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to give us an L follow and share it with your pals. All right, thanks a lot. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Subscribe for free on the Go Loud app and never miss an episode. Go Loud. Sounds better with us.